We have the privilege today to have somebody all the way from Eastern Europe to come and speak. Now, he didn't come just to speak to us, but uh, Matt and Carol Ackerman, actually, and Hannah. That's Hannah. Why don't you welcome them today? Why don't we do that? Thank you. I think it was a little over five years ago, the first, the first missions conference that, and festival that we were here, um, the Alkermans were our guests, speakers. And so it's like, wow. Uh, we've known them. We've, we've talked to them a couple times since then. They've been in and out of the country. Uh, missionaries to Albania now for 15 years. And uh, what an incredible thing. We got a chance to hear uh, him at the men's breakfast and Carol at the women's luncheon yesterday. Just a, a great message to hear what God's doing in Albania through their ministry. And so um, we want to welcome, and I want us to give a great Eau Claire Wesley Church welcome to Matt Ackerman. Thank you, Pastor. Good morning, Eau Claire Wesleyan. It is really good to be with you this morning. Um, if you couldn't see us down front, you can see us up on the, the screen. This is our family. Actually, this is part of our family. Uh, we used to be a, a, a five-member group, but a few years back, we made the decision to just let a couple of them go. Um, I mean, I'm a believer. If somebody's not carrying their weight, you just got to cut them loose. And so, no, actually, our, our son Noah came back for college. He, he had just graduated a couple weeks ago from Indiana Wesleyan University. Um, our daughter Grace is a student at Kingswood University up in, in uh, New Brunswick, Canada. Just finished a, a two-year degree, but she's going to go ahead and get a four-year degree up there as well. And uh, so that's the reason that uh, they're no longer in the picture and not with us today. But uh, it's a real pleasure for us to be here. And uh, we, we came here first and foremost to, to say thank you to you. Um, we are grateful for your partnership in our work in Albania, your prayers and your encouragement and your financial support. Um, everything that we do in Albania, you're a part of because you're partners with us, and we are really grateful to, to have you on this journey with us. Um, I brought a, a small token of our thanks today. It's a, it's a little wooden plaque that's cut in the shape of the country of Albania. Now, if you could picture this on the map, um, Italy, the boot, is over here. The Adriatic Sea is kind of in the middle, and there's this heel that sticks off of the boot of, Al of Italy. Across the sea from that is Albania. Um, this particular plaque has the, the seal of Albania that you'd see on their flag, and, and it uh, has a portion of, of Scripture from Romans chapter 15, verse 19. It says, So that from Jerusalem and roundabout to Illyricum I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Um, significance of this, of course, we preach the gospel of Christ is one thing, but Illyricum was a region in Paul's day that we, we don't call any region of the world Illyricum anymore, but in Paul's day, this was a region in Eastern Europe that uh, encompassed the land where Albania is now. Uh, the Albanians today are the descendants of the ancient Illyrians, and so Paul actually preached the gospel in the area where we serve, and we, have a, we feel it's a great privilege to follow in his footsteps there. And so I will try to put this on the table for all of you to take a look at, and I'll leave it with Pastor Mark when we leave. Um, there's, a, there's a verse in, in Ecclesiastes, uh, chapter 3, verse 22, that's on the next slide. It says, there's nothing better for a person than to enjoy their work. How many people here enjoy your work, or at least a significant part of your work? It's good to see Pastor Mark's hand go up. <laughs> I will breathe a sigh of relief now. 
I always have this fear I'm going to stir something up someplace when I ask that. But uh, yeah, you know, the wise King Solomon recognized it is a blessing from God when we enjoy the work that he's given, given us. And uh, as, as missionaries to Albania with Global Partners, there, were, there are a number of things that we love about the work that we do there. And I'd just like to quickly share four things that, uh, that we love about our job. Uh, the first one, if you go to the next slide, we, we love being envoys for, for Jesus in a place where the need is great, in a place where we feel that we're not redundant, but that the work we do is vital. And Albania is one of those places. Um, Albania, 500 plus years ago, was a, was a place where people believed in Jesus. They were either Roman Catholic in the north or Orthodox Christians in the south, um, but they believed in Jesus. But then the, the Ottoman Turks came through to the area and, and occupied that region, Albania, and many, many lands around them. And they brought with them the Islamic faith. They propagated that faith. They, they gave incentives for people to convert. They put pressure on the people that didn't convert. Most Albanians abandoned their faith in Jesus and became Muslim. Uh, in the early 1900s, the, uh, the Ottoman Empire was dissolved. And it wasn't too long after that, a couple of decades, that the communists rose to power in Albania. And so for 45 plus years, Albania suffered at the hands of possibly the harshest, harshest communist dictator that Europe knew. Albania was the last country in, in Europe that was communist to, to have that government fall. Um, the, the, the Albanian government was particularly strict against religion. In 1967, they passed a law outlawing all religious activity. They declared themselves to be the world's first atheist nation. Um, they seized all religious property. People couldn't gather for worship. And we rejoice that today Albania is different. There's, there are new freedoms. It's a democracy. There's freedom of religion. Um, our, actually, our, our residency permits say that we are religious workers in a country that was once closed to all religion. But it's still a place of great spiritual confusion. Uh, still about 60% of the people that identify themselves as Muslim. There's a good chunk that's Roman Catholic, a good chunk that's Orthodox, a very tiny sliver that are what we would call evangelical Christians uh, that know Jesus Christ in a personal, salvific way that makes a difference in their life on a daily basis. It's a place of need, and we, we feel privileged that God has put us in a place where we're, we're vital. Um, we can go to the next one. We, we love that we get to do what we do uh, under the auspices of the Wesleyan Church and global partners. You know, as Wesleyans, we have a great message that the world needs to hear, and Albania is part of the world that needs to hear this. It's a message of hope. It's a message of wholeness. It's a message of holiness, and we love taking that message to Albania. And Global Partners is such a great organization. Actually, our executive director, Dennis Jackson, popped in yesterday at the breakfast. I didn't know he was coming. Boy, that put the pressure on me. You up to speak, and my big boss is, is, is in the room, but... Uh, um, but it's a great organization, great people. We love working for, uh, for Global Partners. We'd love to put some of you in contact with Global Partners if God is laying on your heart that he would like to use you in another land to, to, to declare the kingdom. Maybe Albania. We're looking for, for help in Albania. I love this little tagline we have. It says, Amplifying Mission and what that means. What it means basically is we realize that we're not the only ones on mission in Global Partners. We are the missionary arm, the foreign missionary arm of the Wesleyan Church, but you're just as much on mission as we. And we're not doing something different from you. We're amplifying what you're doing. You're working hard to reach the people in your community, and we're allowing you to, to extend your reach to maybe Asia or Africa or Albania in Eastern Europe. We're your boots on the ground there. We love 
that uh, the Global Partners has that philosophy that we're working together. We really are partners in this work. And go to the next one. We love that we get to do this with you. Uh, we, we just so much appreciate this. This weekend we felt the love. You've been so kind to us, and uh, we are grateful for that. Um, we're grateful we don't do ministry alone, but that we, we have partners that come along beside us, and we're grateful that you are one of those partners for us. We love that we get to do this with you. And we also love that in Albania we have front row seats to watch God at work in the lives of Albanians. And over the years we've seen people come to the faith in the Lord, children and teens and adults and older adults, and, and that's really been exciting for us. It's always exciting to watch God at work in people's lives. So there are a lot of things that we love about our work, but as much as I love these things about our work, I have to tell you, we're, we're halfway through a term now. We went back in October 2019 to start this new term, and the first half of this term has been hard. It's made me think of something else that I think is also in Ecclesiastes that's on the next slide. Uh, sometimes you're the windshield, sometimes you're the bug. Now, I don't, know, I don't know where in Ecclesiastes that is found. Maybe you can look it up in your concordance in the back of your Bible, but uh, no, I... I hope you understand I'm joking. I don't really think that people go, no, no, the missionary doesn't know his Bible. Or he uses the message. Um, but, uh, you know, the Bible's full of truth. And, you know, that statement I think is pretty true. We could probably slip it in there someplace. Ecclesiastes sounds like a good, good place as any place to stick it in there. But, uh, you, know, you know, that's true in your own life, right? You know, you have days where there's nothing stopping you. It doesn't matter what you encounter. You just push through it like the windshield. Boom, boom, boom. And then you have days. Oh, you have days where it just seems like over and over again you run up against things that just smash the life out of you. Pound like that poor bug that smashes into the windshield. And, uh, you know, part of me wanted to come today and uh, take a few positive things that we've seen happen over these last 20 months or so since we returned to the field and kind of polish them up, put a nice bow on them, and, and just talk about those things. But, you know, as I was preparing to, to, to come home and to share, I just felt like God put on my heart, Matt, you, you need to tell people like it is. You know, and so I, I do this, first of all, because I know that you've gone through this too. COVID has just been tough on everybody. And also because I'm not a salesman, and I'm not here to give a sales pitch and sell you on something. We're partners in something. And when something good happens, I want to share that and hope that we can rejoice together. But when it's hard, you know, I think we need to share that as partners. And you need to know that your prayers are, are so needed for us in Albania. And so I want to just share a little bit about what our term has been like uh, since we went back in October of 2019. Actually, it started out well enough. Um, they were a little disappointed when we first got back. We'd, uh, we'd been continuing to, to look at a couple of young leaders as they were emerging. Uh, they'd begun to do more and more of the, the work in the church. Um, they would lead things when we would gather together more and more often. And in fact, when we went back uh, in October, we were thinking, you know, our, our role now is going to be kind of to step back and coach them from the side and cheer them on and be an encouragement to them. But they're going to do more and more of the load. And we started looking for other outlets where we might be able to, to, uh, to minister. We had our eyes on this village that's up the road. It's a short bus ride up the road from the city of Duras where we live and work. Um, it's, a, it's a little town that has, has no missionary presence in it. It has no church presence in it. It has a couple of very prominent mosques at very prominent places in the, in the village. Um, but we got back and those couple leaders had kind of stepped back. 
Uh, one of them began full-time work and a full-time, uh, went back to university full-time. Had no time to invest. He'd been the one who had been actually working with the teens while we were gone, and teen activity had dwindled down to nothing while we were gone. Um, the other one had a work schedule that was kind of odd, and he, he's, he's around whenever he can be there, but he can't really commit to, to leading something because he doesn't know until the last minute if he'll be there or not. We were really pretty disappointed by that, but, but some good things started uh, happening in the beginning. Um, we can go to the next slide. We, we restarted that teen group that had, had fallen apart during the summer. Uh, Carol and I had actually been out of the teen game for a while. But uh, we stepped back in, and we brought those teens together. It was great to reconnect with them. We had some great discussions around God's word as we gathered with them. We were encouraged what we saw in the teens. Uh, the next one, we, we started Kids Club in our home again, kicked it off for the new school year. Every, every week we open our home, and 15 or 20 kids will come to our home uh, for a Bible lesson and some singing time. And uh, it was great to, to see the old faces come in and to, to have some new kids join us. We are excited about that. Uh, we can go to the next one. Uh, I mentioned that village of Rashbul. Uh, we made a trip out there and we talked to the school director who directed the school out there about how we might be able to connect with the school. Maybe visiting English classes, maybe tutoring children in, in math and English. And we had a really good connection with her and we were really excited about the possibility of beginning to form some bonds in Rashbul beyond, beyond the one family that we really know there. And so that was exciting. Um, the next slide shows a, a team that came from one of our supporting churches in, in New York State. They came and spent a few days with us. They saw the, the work we were doing, went out to the village with us. They were excited about that village and, and, and excited about what was going on in Albania. So that was great. Um, you can go to the next one. We, we started a new Discovery Bible study. There's a family that we've known a long time. We've been praying for a long time. Uh, we've talked to them about our faith. Their, their daughters have come to Kids Club. Um, and we asked them before about letting us come to their home and open God's word with them, and they were kind of uh, noncommittal. But finally, over coffee one day, Feku said, yeah, yeah, you can come. Come and do that. Come come this week and, and do that. And so we started meeting with them weekly to do a Discovery Bible study. This is a format that we've begun to use with seekers in Albania. Um, basically, it emphasizes two things primarily. It, it, it emphasizes that God's word is something to be obeyed and applied in our lives, and God's word is something we would, should share with other people. And so well, the, the format is simple. You can do this with, with friends that you know. We, when we meet, we, we first of all look backward to the previous week. And we talk about what did we do to apply what we learned last week? Did we really do what, what God's word said? And then second of all, who did we share that with this past week? And then we move on to the present. We take a passage of scripture for the day. And we emphasize two things about that passage as we discuss it. What does this passage tell us about God? Who he is, what he's done, what he expects from us, what he, his plans are for us. And what does this passage tell us about people like us? How do we need to respond to God? Uh, what can we look forward to from God? And then we look ahead. And we talk about how are we going to take what we just read today and apply it in our life, because that's key. We've got to obey. And who are we going to tell this story to this week. And so we started doing that with this couple, Feku and Marietta and their two, two daughters, and we were really excited about that. So, so some good things were happening. In fact, all these happen, things happened like within the first or five weeks that we were back. We also re, reopened a, a Stitching to Save program that I'll talk, talk about just a little bit later on that employs some, some women that uh, 
whose families, because of economic reasons, are in danger of falling into human trafficking. Um, got that started as well. But all within like the first or five weeks back, and we thought, man, we're nailing this term. This is easy peasy. We're coasting here. And then it happened. It was November 26th, a Tuesday morning, four o'clock in the morning. We were all awakened, uh, not just in our home, but throughout the community as an earthquake rocked us. It was a 6.4 earthquake, we found out later. Uh, they timed it at 52 seconds that it, we shook. It was a very devastating earthquake. Um, it was the deadliest quake in the world that year. Uh, 51 people died from that earthquake. About half of those were within the limits of the city that we, we work in. Uh, the other half were just outside around the outskirts. And about half of those in our city, 14 of them, um, were within a half a mile of the house that we live in. Uh, we could walk one way and we'd find the building that you see on the next slide. Uh, this, is, this was a six-story apartment building that just collapsed to nothing. Um, coffee shop used to be on the bottom floor. I'd had coffee in there on Saturday morning, Tuesday morning, and it was gone. We could walk a half mile or so the other direction from our house, and there was a three-story home that had collapsed, and seven people had died in it. Uh, actually, the death toll would have been much, much worse had God not in his providence sent us another quake earlier. About 10 o'clock the previous evening, we had a, about a 4.5 one that shook people up, and uh, many people didn't return into their homes. We were new to this earthquake thing. We just thought, it's over, let's go back to sleep. Others were thinking, this may just be the beginning. We'll stay outside. And uh, so there's a lot of fear that gripped the, the, the city after that. There were aftershocks for several days, very strong ones. And uh, people were very fearful. People had automobiles, and probably less than half of the people in our community have an automobile, began to sleep in their automobiles. Other people sent up tents in November, now, it's not Wisconsin November, but it was November. It was cold. People set up tents in their, their yard and slept. People were fearful to go into their house. And a lot of the activities we had grinded to a halt. Parents didn't want to let their kids out of their sight. They didn't want their teens to go away to another building. They wanted to keep them close to them. And so we began to, to, to face that is a, in, the, in the face of that earthquake. Uh, we were really devastated that we had one family in our neighborhood who suffered some damage to their home. And uh, as they waited for permission to proceed and, and the funds to proceed with repairs, uh, they moved away to, to the village that mom grew up in. Three of the girls in that family had grown up going to kids' club, were now teens, had given their hearts to the Lord, were very active and involved in the church, and oh, we hated to see them go. It was very disappointing. Um, some good things did come of it. We got to connect with neighbors as we distributed some aid. Um, we did uh, raise some funds for that purpose. And in the process of doing that, we, we connected with this couple on the next slide, Tahir and Shukriya, and um, got to know them a little bit. We were able to provide them some blankets and heaters and some food as they made a transition to a rental house um, close by as they lost a lot of their own belongings. Um, got to know Tahir a little bit. I went out to coffee with him a few times. In Albania, men go out for coffee all the time. That's where they go to talk and build relationships, and I hate coffee. But, um, but I love Albanians, and so I go out with those men, and um, with Tahir I got to talk and approached him about the idea of doing one of those Discovery Bible studies. We began to do that, so that was, that was good. Um, 
So some, after a while, the fear began to subside. Life sort of started to get back to normal. And then you know, you know what happened, right? COVID hit. And that shut things down. And we really struggled with technology. We live in an underdeveloped area on the edge of the city. Not everybody had Wi-Fi in their home. Uh, many people who had access to Wi-Fi used their telephone to do any Wi-Fi. They didn't have a computer. Um, it was difficult for us, but we, we couldn't meet for a number of weeks. And so we, we, we tried to do a Bible study through Messenger. And, uh, you know, we had the older couple that didn't know how to mute their speaker, so we'd hear things echo. It was, it was hard. Um, and uh, we were totally locked down for a number of weeks, had to get permission to leave the house. One person could leave the house if we SMSed and got permission to go out for an hour to get groceries. It was, it was tough. Um, and so it was, it was a challenge, and, and, and um, we carried on the best we could. Um, the next slide, I think, shows one thing that, uh, that came of it. Carol had this idea. You know, we couldn't have kids in our home. Things had started to open up, but we couldn't have group meetings. And Carol said, you know, Child Evangelism Fellowship has these correspondence courses. Let's get those in the hands of kids. And so we, we started doing that. We would go around and we'd pass out three of them to a kid and say, we'll come back in a couple weeks and we'll trade you for the next three. And uh, we ended up having 40 children complete those lessons, which was, which was good. Um, we couldn't have them into our home, but we could get them into God's Word. Um, but it was a challenge. We, we missed having English camp, which is something that we have done many years in the past, where a team will come from the States, and we'll, we'll have teens come for a few hours every day. There'll be some English lessons and some games and those kinds of things, but also, also a rally in the evening where, where the message of the, the Word is preached, and there's some worship time there. And... Uh, I remember the last English camp we, we, were, we were able to have. Um, if you go to the next slide, it was, it was Monday morning, and we were getting ready for English camp to start, and I got a phone call from this man named Nardi, a young man, um, a new believer himself. He called, he said, hey, Mateo. That's what they call me in Albania, Mateo. Hey, Mateo, my sister Rosa would like to come to English camp. I said, great, Nardi. We'd love to have Rosa. Bring her by. He said, wait, Mateo, I got to tell you, Rose is interested in English, but she's not interested in God. So it'd be good if, you know, could you talk to some of the girls and ask them during the free time at camp not to talk to to Rosa about God? Because I'm afraid if people start talking to her about God, she's just going to close up. I said, well, okay, kind of a strange request, but okay, I can do that. So... Uh, that afternoon, Nardi brought Rosa to camp and introduced her, and he pulled me off to the side, and he gave me the same speech again that he gave me on the phone, almost word for word. Mateo Rosa likes English. She doesn't, she's not interested in God. Could you kind of help the, make sure the God talk is at a minimum? Okay. Um, Rosa speaks good English, so she was put in the highest level English group that we had as we divided them by ability. Um, I was a floater. I went around from group to group and took photos and got things that people needed. I remember Wednesday of that week ending up being in that group. And, and the youth pastor from Indiana who was, who was directing the camp and, and was leading that group, he had decided since he had the group that spoke English pretty well, he wasn't going to do vocabulary and grammar. He, we were just going to read something in English, and then they were going to talk about it in English, just practice English. Um, he decided to use the Bible. And uh, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so little by little, they worked their way through that story that week. Wednesday, as I sat in there, as they were wrapping up, I heard Rosa say this. She said, you know, talking about this story this week and reading it helps my, my 
belief in God to be stronger. I thought, wow, Nardi missed this. Um, Thursday night at the rally time, the youth pastor gave us a message of salvation, and he invited the teens, any of them that wanted to, to pray and invite Christ into their life, to repeat a prayer after him. And, and then he asked everybody to keep their eyes closed, and for those that had prayed that prayer, to stand to their feet. And so I did what a lot of you would have done. I peeked. And, and I saw several of the teens on their feet, and one of them was Rosa. Wow, I was so excited. Our daughter Grace went and talked to Rosa that evening before we all left. She apparently had been peeking too. I think it's a genetic thing. And, and she asked Rosa, she said, Rosa, I saw you stand today when the, when the, when the time was given. You, you prayed and, and committed your life to Jesus. She said, what made you decide to do that? Rosa said, Grace, when he was speaking, it felt like the words were coming from inside my heart. I knew it was the truth, and I knew I had to accept the Lord. And uh, so we were so excited about that. You know, God continues to work in teens' lives, even as much of a struggle it's been. The next slide shows a group of three guys. Uh, one of these guys, Oriesti, who would be on the left here, has been a believer for a number of, of years. Um, he invited a couple of his friends to, to start coming to teens with him. And uh, I got to tell you, they, they, they're, they're very faithful, but those two other guys are goofballs, man. And they came in the beginning, and they would just giggle and laugh all the time. And finally, one day I told them, on a Sunday, I said, hey, guys, listen, keep coming on Friday for teen meeting. But, you know, Sunday for church, you know, we need to take a break. I'll tell you what, you come to my house um, before the service. The service is in the afternoon. You come in the morning, and uh, I'll, I'll read with you the passage, and we'll discuss the passage that we're going to talk about in church. And when you've done it a couple weeks and been serious, Come back on Sunday, but let's, let's take a break. Would you know those guys actually showed up on my porch and knocked on my door to do that? And so we did that for three or four weeks, and then we kind of mainstreamed them back into the regular population. You still giggle a little bit, but, but, um, but they're there, and God's working in their lives. We, we look forward to what's going to happen in their lives. Another good thing that's continued to happen is the next slide. I mentioned the Stitching to Save pro, pro, program. Uh, we've been able to, to keep that going. Um, throughout the, the time of COVID, um, it was, there were challenges, but we managed to keep these women employed. We're excited about that. There's a paper on the table out there where you can also get one of our prayer cards, which looks great on a refrigerator, by the way. But there's a paper that, that gives some more information about the Stitching to Save project and the, the goods that these women produce, like hats and gloves and scarves and things that you need in Wisconsin because you have winter like five months out of the year. Is that right, I think? So... But, uh, but th- we were able to keep that going, so some good things have happened during this time, but it's, it's still been hard, throwing some pr- health problems that Carol's been having, and it's been difficult. But we're excited about what the future holds, and we're excited about getting past COVID, may that be soon, and uh, seeing some things return to normal. Um, a, a couple months ago, as I was preparing for, for Sunday with the group in Albania, I was led to a scripture that I'd just like to share briefly. I won't, I won't do this very long, but... Um, just briefly, I wanted to touch on this scripture that I shared with me. Go ahead and go to the next one briefly. Again, that's a, a thank you. And then this scripture, Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 to 38. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. 
like Albanians, like a lot of people in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. You know, what hooked me on this passage, and made me wanted to discuss this with our group in Albania, was, was this whole idea of Jesus out of comp- looking at people and having compassion for them and wanting them to be a part of the kingdom. You know, we, we had talked to Albanians about how, out of obedience, we should be sharing with other people about our faith in the Lord. And, you know, it is an obedience issue. It's not okay for an Albanian Christian or an American Christian or a Christian anywhere to have the attitude that, wow, I made it in. That's what counts. I'm not so worried about the rest of the people out there. Now, once we found our way into the kingdom, it's our job to help other people find the door. So I wanted to to, to take another approach, though. The obedience thing wasn't getting through. I wanted to to, to stoke their compassion for others and motivate them that way. But as, as I prepared that passage, something else jumped out about this passage to me that I'd never thought about before, probably what most people have, but it struck me in a different way. And it's, it goes back to that last verse. Jesus says, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And it, it struck me that Jesus was sharing a prayer request here. And that, that I don't think of Jesus as sharing prayer requests. I think of Jesus as answering prayers. But usually it works this way. We have a prayer request and we ask our friends to pray with us about it and then the Lord provides an answer. And then we rejoice about that. Here the tables are turned. Here Jesus is sharing a prayer request. He says to his friends, pray that there will be more people sharing about me in the field so that people can come into the kingdom. And now we have an opportunity to answer a prayer for Jesus. That kind of made my spine tingle. Wow, I can be the answer to Jesus' prayer? You can be the answer to Jesus' prayer too? This wasn't just written for missionaries who pack their bags and go overseas. We're all on mission. And we can be the answer to Jesus' prayer. When you go to your, to your factory or your school or your neighborhood and you share with people what Christ is doing in your life, what he's done in your life, the difference he's made in you, and you share with them, you're being the answer to Jesus' prayer. And to me, that's kind of exciting. It's the kind of thing we ought to be doing. We owe them a few, I think. But it's not something that we're always really good at. We don't always do it as, as simple as it, it seems when I say it. Uh, why not? I, I think part of it has to do with uh, something here it says in verse 36. It says, Jesus saw the crowds and had compassion on them. I think sometimes we don't see the needs that people have. We have our own problems. We have our own projects. We have our own programs. And so we pass by people every day and we we don't stop to think that, wow, this is a person who's lost, who's confused, who needs the Lord. We We just don't see. And then even when we do see, sometimes we don't speak up. Maybe it's because we live in a world that's increasingly hostile to the message of the gospel, to God's word. We're afraid that we'll offend. We don't know how people react. We're afraid of risking a friendship, so we hold back. But we need to to see and we need to say. Did anybody have one of those toys called a see and say when you're growing up, when you're little? You know, the the cow says moo. Yeah, you know, that's what we need to do. It's not just a toy. It's what we need to do. We need to see and we need to say. We need to see and say. And when that's hard, sometimes. Um, I've got 
something that I think will help, as he so often is, Jesus is the answer. Um, If you back up just prior to the verses I read, it speaks of Jesus walking along the path and visiting different places. And it says as he went around, he, he met two blind men, two men who could not see. And uh, it says that Jesus touched their eyes, and they could see. And he can help us to see the needs of people around us. Um, just a slight tangent, I love the guys in that story. You know, Jesus told those guys after he healed them, he said, hey, let's keep this on the QT. Don't tell anybody what I did for you. And uh, I've got a couple ideas why that might be, but, but you know, those are his instructions. Don't tell people. But you know what those guys did? They went out and told everybody. Hey, look at me. I can see now. Jesus did this. Jesus made a difference in my life. Jesus changed everything. Jesus has done something far greater for us, and he's given us permission. No, he's given us instructions to share about it. Um, I love those guys. Um, It says Jesus continued on, and then he came across a man who had a demon in him who made him mute so he couldn't speak. By the way, who or what do you think it is that doesn't want you to speak up about the Lord? And it says that Jesus bound that demon, and that man's tongue was loosened, and he could speak. He can do the same thing for us so that we have the ability to speak for him. So when we are, are, don't know what, to, what, what to, to, to do or if we're not connecting with people the way we should, Jesus can help. And today's the day of Pentecost, and we need to be reminded that we have the Holy Spirit today who's with us always to help us. Um, so I, my, my challenge for you as we, as we close is, is threefold. First is get to work. Find someone who needs Jesus and tell them about him. Do it. Get in there. The harvest is plentiful. The need is great. Second of all, get some help. Ask the Lord who opens eyes and loosens tongues to help you to see people's needs and to speak up. And the third one, and I didn't mention this as I was speaking, is get some assists. You know, as you're going about putting points on the board by reaching people in your neighborhood, in your sphere of influence, uh, you're an assist to us as well. You know, you, you know basketball, right? This is Big Ten country. You know basketball. If somebody makes a shot, the points go on the board, but somebody also gets credit for getting the ball to them and giving them the assist. And so when you partner with us and partner with the other missionaries that you support, you're getting an assist. Uh, when somebody like Rosa commits her life to the Lord, you're part of that. You're getting an assist. So, so be faithful with your giving and prayers and put some assist on the board as well. The, the need is great. The Lord is greater. And uh, we've got a job to do. So let's do it together. Amen? I'd like to pray for you, and then I'll turn things back over to Pastor Mark. Heavenly Father, we, we love you. We thank you for your goodness to us, the many ways you bless us. I thank you so much for Eau Claire Wesling for their partnership in our work. I pray that you would pour out your spirit and blessings upon them and use them uh, continually as a light in this community. Thank you so much for the heart they have for missions. Continue to use them to, to impact the, the world at large, I pray. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Please stand. <laughs>